0: One thing I will tell you is, do not be afraid. You're not. You're not. we I actually want to specify to Kenyans to, uh, to our listeners, to stop listening, to stop using that term. There's no crazy person. There's no Mwandazimo anywhere. Uh, they're just people who have mental health challenges, just like you have your kidney failures, your kidney dialysis. The same way with your mind. That's the way we are.
1: Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Magnetica podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Please let us know what you thought about our previous episode, and we hope that even after this one, you'll continue engaging with us. Today, we are talking about mental health. I know it sounds like a cliche topic, but it really isn't. It's something that is very, it's such a reality. I feel it's very misunderstood and I will not be the one to give you about mental health. We have a guest, his name is John, who has gone through it, who will tell us his experience, how it feels like to go through it. He will tell us everything. I don't want to preempt anything. I don't want to mention anything. I want John to be the one to tell us his story and how it just, feels to be in that position. John and I were in the same campus. We're actually in the same class studying chemistry. We don't do chemistry anymore. That's how we met. That's how I know his story. That's how I know John. And I will not say anything further about him. John, please introduce yourself in your own words. Uh,
0: hello, guys. I'm John. I live with bipolar disorder. I was diagnosed when I was 20. Yes, I've been walking the journey. I've had my series of with ignorance, acting acting on ignorance and uh, suffering its consequences. And mental health is very real. I have bipolar type 1. And for us uh, who have bipolar type 1 or bipolar disorder, it's a mood disorder. So we fluctuate between series of highs and series of lows. And because of that, we are always on meds.
1: That's what keeps us going. Okay. Yes. Okay. Besides having bipolar before we even you know, die even deeper into that. What else do you, what do you do for a living? Why don't you tell us?
0: An I keep working with a region group of companies. And uh, for us, we involve ourselves with motor vehicle security, as well as uh, CCTV cameras.
1: Okay, awesome. So, back to your bipolar journey, right? So, you said yes. you have yeah. bipolar type 1. So, what other kinds yes. of bipolars exist?
0: There are three types of bipolars. There's bipolar type 1, which is what I have. Then there's bipolar type 2, which include includes uh, low symptoms of mania, that is hypomania, as as, well as depression, mm-hmm. and uh, the other one is cyclothymic, which involves cycling between uh, hypomania and depression. They're not as so cyclothymic is not as high as bipolar one and bipolar two.
1: Okay, interesting. How did this start? You said you were twenty years old. How did it start?
0: Yeah. Well, bipolar disorder it began when I was in campus for the long part of campus I was dealing with depression, but no one actually mentioned it. It's later on that my colleagues who are in campus were like saying, "You've always been depressed." They were saying that to the the doctor. Doctor who is at the university was saying he always appeared depressed but he never knew what the problem was. Mm. So it's until when I went I went into mania face that somebody actually took the time and actually spoke out and said so we have always noticed that John is depressed but he has never actually we have never told him how that because uh, what happened in campus I used to wear my earphones a long period of time and uh, during that time you will find me even dancing crazily on the road you will see me just doing normal campus nun stuff that people usually do and during that time no one knows it's a problem it's okay he's just enjoying campus life he's just normal listening to music because you know they're, they're also hearing what you're listening to and perhaps it's Chris Brown perhaps it's Taylor Swift you're listening to all these audiences of music and you're like he's just feeling good about it. but it was it was a cry for something else it was an attention to be driven towards something my mind was slowly by slowly going towards the mania face which happened in, in my fourth year know, our fourth year me and purity actually is when my mania face actually revealed itself It became as bad as that such that I couldn't sleep an entire week I was like. It's on just reading book continuously from morning till evening till the following day, not taking a pause. to make matters even more tough. Just leaving the room all together at night and walking around the campus when people are asleep. So that's the main year face acting. And uh, worst of all, is we arranged for a trip to Mombasa, the mm-hmm. fourth year trip to Mombasa, and uh, that's when things broke out. That's when everything that we knew was stable about me went off the window.
1: Okay, that's interesting because I remember I witnessed part of it, yeah. But I witnessed yeah. Part of it. Before we move on to anything else. Could you paint a picture for me yeah. of how it feels in those moments? So how did you feel when you were depressed? Did you know you were depressed? Did you know there was something different? And might you know what could have triggered the depression? And then uh, what led to the progression? And how does it feel in that moment?
0: Well, I knew I was depressed when I couldn't wake up in the morning and do the normal thing. I just want to stay in bed the entire day. I don't want to come to class. I don't want to go to lectures. I don't want to meet anybody. I just want to be me alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a bit that was, that's all this, you know, I was what, what can I say? When it was in the earlier moments, it wasn't really me for figuring out. Things. It was my roommates were just telling me what was happening. And their feedback, one of them was John, you didn't want to go to lectures. You didn't want to see people, you just want to stay in your room. You didn't want to watch movies. You didn't want to basically you didn't want there's nothing that life gives you that you didn't you didn't refuse. You refuse everything. Sometimes you'll even deny yourself food. Mm. So when you ask my my friends, that is Alex, We I'll tell you that is when we knew something was totally wrong. When you would refuse to watch movies, when you would go for lectures, and you remember I was the class president. Yes. So I'm arranging a class that I'm not attending. And the excuse I will, and most people will ask, used to go, used to appear in most lectures. Most people will not see you missing. But what happened is, it took a lot of effort for my friends to convince me to go to a class. Because they'll get me in bed. They'll tell you, no, you have to go to class. And because of those, that constant push, I would say is the reason why I never got diagnosed early enough. Because I always attended the classes for there. because I begin, believe my depression began when I was in my second year. That's when the, the depression really took me. And no one noticed. Then the triggers that happened is, the triggers that lead me towards mania one is stress and the other one is emotional when I'm in a emotional turmoil that is when uh, you can be sure I will hit mania soon but how, how do I feel during these times uh, one is that when I'm depressed the world is all black I don't want to go out I don't want to see people I don't want to eat I just want to be left alone wearing my earphones and listening to crazy music listening to depressive, depressive music like music that just take a life out, like rock those kinds of things but music that just doesn't make sense
1: so John mm-hmm. you know it's interesting because again we were in the same class. You were class rep. In yeah. second year, you appeared fine, but clearly your friends were the ones who were holding it down the whole time. <laughs> I mean, we exactly. had no idea. We only got to know that something was wrong when you had your episodes, right, towards the yes. end. So now let me ask Towards you the you, end. Yes. So let yes. me ask you, because <sighs> there's a time I, I, I went through a mild depression not mild because it was easy. It was it was short. Yeah. It was for a short period of yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And yes. I remember telling someone and they laughed and they said, oh my God, you're 20 years old. What are you depressed about? So I wanted to ask you, having gone through this experience, what do you think might have led you to that point in second year? Would you know? Was it a loss? Was it, what was it? And what would you say to someone who's thinking, "Come on, you're a twenty year old. Why are you getting depressed? I mean, are you okay? What What would you tell that person?
0: Well, well, for twenty year old, being in depression sometimes will not make sense to others. But uh, because you're, these are these are struggles that you're having from within you. These are things that, as a person, you are you're finding hard to address or finding somebody to help you walk through them. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're just things you don't want to express. And uh, because the biggest part of mental illness is failure to express ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's why we go through the turmoil. Could it be, is it childish issues, things in your childhood? Uh, Could it be a pain that you have suppressed for a while? Now it has emerged again. Could it be family family things that have happened within your family that are causing you all these things? Because what happens is, especially if you're first born, second born, last born, there, there are things that people often often say about every cluster of person. Whether you are first born, these are the expectations. And let's say you're not meeting them. These are the last born. This is how your life should be. You know, Your life should be smooth. Your life should be easy. That, that, that's the thinking that culture has. But if that doesn't happen, you know, it, it affects a lot about the psyche of a person because they expect a person to have figured out life what he or she wants or how he or she should conduct life so you find that if if they get to campus and they meet a different narrative it affects the psych and because that this person has no it's like a grief it's a griefing that a person is going through and because if you're going through grief and you you suppress it. There's a time it basically shows again, it shows up. Uh, so for me, what I will say to to a person is never conclude. It will be better if you asked what is causing it and saying you're 20, you're depressed. Mm-hmm. It, it will be good if you asked what is the problem rather than just operate to the daily notion of life, of how people think that a 20 year old should not have any stress, shouldn't be depressed, no you need to come from a point of question. You need to approach it from a question, what is the problem? Because the question is, no one ever asks what or why. Most of them just come to you with their own conclusion. They they will them on you and they just tell you that. You know, that adds more to your depression. Because, you know, already a depressed person is already at, at a point in his life where most things don't seem to have light in them. Why do you also want to add more weight to that problem by saying, You're 20, why why are you depressed? Perhaps I'm going through a very worse situation that you can never even explain. And you're coming and asking me a question that is affecting my my psyche in the way I'm operating. Mm -hmm. So you try and imagine somebody's already uh, depressed, and you're saying, Why are you depressed and you're 20? How does that even come out? You know, you are this person is just injuring, you're adding salt to an injury. So I'll I'll just advise is. Come from a point of conversing, point of getting to know what is happening. Then from a point of judging and condescending, or just just giving an opinion. Don't come with your opinion. Come with a point of seeking to know or inquiring or empathy. You know, just don't don't operate as the world looks at things. Because when somebody is in depression, when somebody is in mania, these people. Their minds, they're not in the the comfortable state. They're not in the you side. Their moods are not okay. So to me is let us be people of inquiry and empathetic than people of opinions. That's what I'll
1: say. Okay, and I agree. So let me just take you back a little bit, right? All right, okay. So you said that your trigger was basically expectation versus reality, reality, right? When you got into campus, you had so much expectations uh, upon you, basically from family. So after this happened, Mm
0: -hmm. obviously
1: the expectations don't go away, right? Yeah. So how do you cope now with those expectations? Because they're still there. People don't stop. Maybe your mom will stop. Having expectations, but people just go back to what they're used to, how they perceive you. So, how do you cope now?
0: How do I cope now? The best thing that my therapist informs me is it's not about them, it's about you. So, yes, as long as they have their expectations, that is their expectations. Mm -hmm. And then there is you, there is the person that is you. So, forget what surrounds you and focus on the you, the inside you, because the more you leave for others, the more, the more, the more you, you get lost or the more the you vanishes. So my, my therapist nowadays tells me to focus more on me. What is what I want? What is it that you expect out of life? What is, what is the reason why you are doing this? The expectations will be there, but the most important is you. What do you expect of life? What, do you, what, what are the outcomes that you anticipate? Let the focus longer be about others and let it be within you let it be all about what is it that you are working for what is it that you are expecting at the end of the day what is it that you are carrying out what is the reward that you anticipate from you what is the feeling that you should get at the end of the day yes that is it
1: okay i really like that now i want us to now go deeper into that and then Mm -hmm. and so i will ask you okay so you're the first yes Uh huh. and the therapist is telling you to focus more on you and yes. basically this from my point of view you know you'll tell me it means that you need to be a little more selfish you need to have more defined boundaries you need to have to say no's to a lot of people who expect you to say more yeses than no's so uh-huh. how does focusing on you show up like how do you do that what does it look like exactly just paint for us a good picture so that i know Uh because that's that i'm not a firstborn but it's also a struggle for me Uh (laughs) yeah so how does (laughs) does that look like exactly john
0: Uh, what does it look like uh one it's about the purposes that you have for life are they, what is influencing them? The things that you are doing even at the moment, what, is, what are they all about? Uh, because the question is, if you're not doing it to help you, what is it all about for? Because you cannot be waking up, because one thing he tells me is, you cannot wake up from in the morning, go to an office, sit, work, and then leave in the evening and go home. Something things are missing. What, what is, what carries your day? What What is it that what is it that makes you complete? What is it that you'll say when you wake up in the morning and go to work has completed you? What has made you a whole person? That's that even if you were told, tomorrow don't come to this work, you have something else to do. How many things that you, are you doing that are going to help you as a person improve? Are you reading books that are helping you grow your mind? Are, are you doing... Are you going out and working yourself out so that you can have a healthy body? Are you, are you researching contents content or are you, are you basically doing things that will help you? Or are you just go work, get the pay, uh, come again to work tomorrow? This, is there value in your life? Is there something that is additional every single day? that once you wake up in the morning, you go to work, you've added value to yourself. Not only to the person that you are working for, but also to yourself. Yes. Okay. Uh, that mm-hmm. is. Uh-huh. So forget about because saying no's, saying yes, it, it will all matter at some point. But the most important thing is even when you say the yes, what is the value behind the yes? Not only just the person you're saying yes to, but even to yourself. When you're saying no, what is the value to the person you're denying and also to yourself? Those are the questions that we may never want to ask ourselves, but it's something I've been asked to really ask about life. When I say yes to my brother, let's say, for instance, I want to help him with something and I say yes, what is the value that I'm teaching him and what is the value to me that I'm also adding to him or to myself? So that's, that is the questions that you'd rather ask in life. So every decision that you make, you have to ask what is the value it's adding to both me and to the person I'm helping?
1: Okay, I'm taking that in, honestly. I, I think I'll have to listen to that again and again, okay? Uh-huh. So I'd like us to move to treatment. I know you've mentioned yes. therapy. So how else uh-huh. do you manage the condition?
0: Yes, for so my condition, uh, it involves mood stabilizers mm. and antipsychotics. So that's that's what it involves. So I operate with a mood stabilizer by the name of lithium. Uh, that's what I use. That's what my doctor has said is best working with me. The other antipsychotic I'm taking is Tegretol. That's uh, carbamazepine. That's what works for me. So those, those, are the, those are the medications I'm on right now, as well as I have a monthly injection. Every month, there's an injection I have to take. That's treatment for,
1: yes. So in order to manage bipolar type 1, you have to be on medication for the rest of your life? Is it for a period of time? Is that does it go away or is it a lifetime thing? Now we have to live with.
0: Well, for bipolar, it's a lifetime thing. I've learned from my mistake because I did a mistake. After I had stabilized my first time, I left the medication in 2019, and what happened is that I relapsed last year. Last year I went mania again, and it was rather it was it was bad this time around because. And like the first one, the second one was more severe. And uh, that is because I left medication. And the doctors, uh, when the doctors actually were informed about my diagnosis, the first things that they asked is, why did you leave his medication? So bipolar is lifetime. I have to keep on taking the medication. Yes, it's a lifetime thing. I'm on it till, till, I, till, till I die, yes.
1: Okay. So what was that transition like? And why did you stop taking a medication before the relapse? What was it transitioning from a life of no meds to a life full of meds and injections, monthly injections, and then why did you stop?
0: It's annoying. That's the feeling I would say, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's because of and also it's mentally disturbing. Let me just say that it's it's so to think that I have to be on meds, I have to be on injections, I have to be on all these things to just keep me stable. Something gets. And because of that, you find also, it's the reason why I left the medication at the first time. No, I just couldn't keep up. Like every month I have to see a psychiatrist, I have to see a psychologist, I have to see a therapist. It doesn't make sense. No, like all these people, it doesn't make sense. So what I, what I did is that after I gained stability for, I, I gained my stability, I was able to do things as usual and I could stop taking the medication one day or two and remain normal. I was okay. So I just called my parents and because out of also they didn't know, uh, we left the medication. So my brother was there. So my brother said he's good. He's not showing any symptoms or anything. He's great. Let him let him go off the meds. And I went off. What what they didn't know is that the doctors always know the doctors always know better. Yes, it's it's a very disappointing feeling, I can't lie to you. You have to be on meds every single day, knowing that these meds are vital. They're they are what keeps you sane. You may not get to the level of the insane person who is on the road running mad. Yours is so different that it can actually risk your own life. Mm-hmm. Because when you're in mania, you can decide to jump from a cliff and you just, is like you're just high where your earphones and you feel like you're in utopia, you're walking in the mood. It's 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 feelings of like this that just leave you they leave you a little bit disappointed, knowing that you can't control your moods like a normal person. It it's it's really disappointing. I won't I won't put any other words to it. It's it's heartbreaking and disappointing.
1: Okay. Uh, I can only empathize with that. It's very I can only imagine what it's like to want to jump over or to listen to music and feel like you're in utopia and just let go and let loose, right yes exactly okay to the point that it can be life-threatening yes indeed okay that's that's very interesting honestly it, it feels it's very interesting so how do you cope with mania as a professional because that was in school and yes you did a relapse in 2018 so now that you're working and this is a lifetime what do i call it it's like it's not part of you right so how do yes, you how how do you integrate it with work do you tell your hr that you have a bipolar disorder what happens
0: oh uh, well, first of all you have to disclose mm-hmm. because the most important thing is he or she has to understand that when these things happen because you know you can't hide mania you can't hide depression you can't hide that one day you want to do all the work in the office you know all the work in the office another day you don't want to even wake up in the morning you just give her a call that you're sick you no know, to explain this you just have to disclose the condition and if there are an organization that understands and uh, an organization that is m- much aware of these things because these are new conditions these are these are new times. And I won't lie to you, uh, even statistics in Kenya are showing that mental illness is on a crazy level. It's good to disclose. It may not actually assure you of your job safety, but it's good to disclose. It's good to say, this, I have this in this condition, I'm on this meds. Actually even bring the letter from a psychiatrist, tell her this is a letter, so that from there she'll be able to know how to handle you. And I believe most organizations are they are very understanding about these things. So long as you disclose what what they will not like is like you experience a, a high of mania and they don't know what's going on. They are all lost. My recent up was not very good. My isn't relapse into uh, into mania. It was not that nice because I was at work. Took the effort of the the hospital that I went to to actually convince our office that this situation is can be handled. Just give him time. That's what he needs. Don't hurry him back to the office. Don't actually terminate him. Understand him and work with him. So you see, it's these people are professionals who knew there's a job I have. The importance of this job so that I can get the right treatment, they all played their part. But it's important that, because for me, after I had left the medication and everything, I thought I was fine. So I thought it's not worth me telling that I've ever experienced this kind of mental condition. And uh, so I didn't disclose it the first time. But when it hit, I was saying they were inconvenienced because they were, they were one staff down. Actually, it took the intervention of, because of a good relationship that I also share with the management, that they, they now understood and that they just give me time. And I resumed back uh, work in the, the beginning of this year. So it, it took an understanding management because if they weren't understanding, I could have literally been sucked and things couldn't have gone very well. Let me just say that
1: yeah i mean hey kudos to those mini management by the way i'm so proud of them for making, uh, yes but, indeed yeah for for just being very accommodative and understanding honestly would have been very tragic if they said yeah. uh no we don't want to understand or if they just you know for whatever reason but yeah i mean I, it makes me feel like i want to know them and even work there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm not sure if I'm
1: interested in CCTV. So let me just uh, stick to what I know. Yeah. Okay. The other thing I wanted to talk about is how has this affected your relationships?
0: Literally, I want to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right now, basically, I am very hesitant into to go into relationships. Mm-hmm. As you can see, it's it's a condition that has very many triggers. And I don't want to have myself vulnerable to such kind of risk because usually the people who I end up disturbing are my family I usually say since this is the case I'd better just hold back and be with those that can deal with me when I'm in that condition so right now actually I stay with my family mm-hmm. and they're the ones who are my support system because bringing in another person or me trying to date or just any other kind of relationship I I fear that that might be I don't have the power to handle that at the moment Mm -hmm. because I'm still also trying to figure out how to work out to live a life with bipolar. It's not an easy thing. As you can see from celebrities who have actually been in this kind of, who have my illness, they're also finding it hard to manage relationships. And uh, like the famous, you know, one of them is Kanye West. And because you can see how the situation that he is in, it's it's not an easy thing. It's hard, but you just have to believe. If the universe has someone out there for you or if there's a relationship out there for you fine but also when it comes to work you find that you're hesitant to share information you just want to leave your own utopia of a while and just walk away Well Kokazi, when you're at work let's be at work uh, so th- I was talking about relationships of other kind some coming to a work relationship is like you you keep things to yourself because you don't want people getting too close to things they might not even understand or things they might start passing judgment over they don't know what's going on or how you you know how it all happens you know this mental health is something that in our country we are getting we are getting to the point of talking about it but for a long time it has been something that you've been keeping in the back the back room and everyone has been sleeping on it and saying "Ah, that's not real mm-hmm. I like to come at the mental illness no that doesn't exist it's, it's something that when I'm in my, work, in my workplace, I tend to keep to myself and educate those who let me give that information. Because you find if somebody comes to you and says, John, how, how is mental illness? How, how do you figure it out? But you just don't tell everyone your story unless they figure it from somebody else. Because if somebody comes to you, he inquires from you, you tell him all about your condition, all about these conditions that involve mental health, because they see you also posting things on mental health. They want to know what is it all about, and they come to you inquiring. Then later, you find somebody else has that information. So at least I like when I'm sh- I share information to you, and I hear that somebody else has heard about it. Slowly by slowly, we'll get to educate people about mental illness and how it works, because... My hope is that at the end of the day, people will come to understand that mental health is just like the normal kidney failure disease. It's just like a cancer in your body. It's, 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 it's not something that is is non-existent. Uh, your brain is just an organ like any other and it can fail. Mm-hmm. And all my relationships, that's what I seek to arrive at. Sharing information, disseminating information about mental health and just sharing it out. Because I find that very important to do. Uh, after I've experienced what I have, and I know it could have been prevented, had the right steps been taken. And uh, if just for once, people will fail to act out of ignorance and just say, let us find out all the, what, what this is all about. Because though it comes the first time, what I'm going to show you is mental illness. Relapses are hard, and the treatment also becomes severe. The first time, uh, it was just a simple dose. The next time, it's going to be harder. It's, it's important that you stick to close relationships that one will understand they will build you up uh, relationships that will be supportive the biggest thing about mental illness is support that is what we we desire most support so that, that is it for relationships uh, it for me its it makes me approach them from a, an angle of skepticism because from where I've come from uh when people hear such kind of thing they run away from you okay On you know, and that's not the case. We are normal people. We can work. We can do every normal activity. So it, it, is, it is discouraging that sometimes your opinion will be devalued just because somebody thinks your mental illness or the state of your mind affects everything.
1: Okay. That is very comprehensive. So there's something that you've mentioned that I feel compelled to go deep into. You've said it could yeah. have been prevented. So how? So if someone, <coughs> how how could someone prevent themselves from getting bipolar? Is that what you're saying? I'm not
0: saying somebody, I'm not saying somebody can prevent you from getting bipolar. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is somebody can prevent you from getting to the face of mania mm-hmm. that is critical. And almost the same way when you're in depression, somebody can prevent you from actually committing suicide if they actually act fast. In the same way when I'm in mania, if somebody just acts within the time, he will prevent me from becoming manic or moving to a psychosis. Psychosis is where you lose track of reality. So you can, you can actually prevent the severe forms of all these illnesses. You can actually, like, if you act early enough with a mental illness, you can prevent somebody who was in depression from becoming severely depressed. You can prevent somebody who is in hypomania from becoming mania be something that you can always do. You cannot prevent the illness, yes, but you can do something to prevent the worsening because what happens is once you notice certain symptoms of depression, if you act upon it and you say to your friend, no, we, we need we need to take you to a doctor, to a psychiatrist, you need to tell him what you have told me, you get help. There are very many professions in the country currently, very many psychiatrists, so many psychologists that will help a person. So don't sit back and you're seeing that Somebody is there talking to himself, not sleeping the entire night. And not just for a single day. This has been happening an entire year. You need to get this person sitting down and talking to someone. Because sleep is vital. You cannot have somebody who wakes up in an entire month, he has been telling you, I'm just in the house and I'm in bed. You don't know. You need to go see him or her. Talk. Get her out of the place. Move her to an, to an entire world. Let her let her or him just see things from a different perspective. because Mental health is it's crucial that people understand the sooner you detect something, the sooner the cure can be given. I mean, not, sorry, not the cure, the treatment, because there's no cure for mental illness. It's only the treatment. The treatment can be given, and this person can resume normalcy. The light can be given back to her or him. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. You cannot prevent illness. No, you can't. But you can do something to prevent severe conditions.
1: Okay. Okay, we are enlightened very interesting i i don't want to say too much um i just want you know, people to listen and let it sink i want us to wind up right? And, All right yeah um so basically is there anything you would like to address that i haven't asked you something that you would like to say that you feel is important
0: All right i'd like to inform actually most of your listeners that there are, there are several facilities that I would actually like to give out that uh, in case you want to seek help, you what you you find that somebody around you may be having some of these mental conditions, you can you can reach out to rather than saying doing a self test at home, you can actually head there and speak to a specialist and actually consult on all this. One is uh, these OASIS. Oasis Health, uh, Oasis Medical Center. It's in Kitusuru. You can actually go there. They have a team of psychiatrists, a team of psychologists and therapists who can help. There's Chiromo Hospital Group. Uh, they have also their team of psychiatrists and uh, psychologists and therapists. You can reach out to them also. There's also Madari Hospital, which is all, the one that you all know. You can also reach to them. They have a group of psychiatrists and psychologists who, and therapists who can help. We will do the process of getting to know more information about mental health.
1: Okay. Yes. You know, if you're sitting there listening and you know full well that you're depressed, you're not okay, just walk to those facilities. Or, John, is it okay if people reach out to you, you know, they need an email?
0: Yes, actually they can reach out to me.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, It's something that I can manage to connect them with all these facilities so that they can get the proper care. And uh, one thing I'll tell you is, do not be afraid. You're not, you're not. We're I actually want to specify to Kenyans to, uh, to our listeners, to stop listening, to stop using that term. There's no crazy person. There's no mandazimo anywhere. Uh, they're just people who have mental health challenges, just like you have your kidney failures, your kidney dialysis. The same way with your mind. That's the way we are. So please reach out to me. I'm available. I can
1: help okay and can could you talk to our guardians and our parents again i think i yeah that's a, that's a very critical group. so when you when your uh, health tells you you're depressed okay?
0: to tell the parent to being, be inquisitive inquire be empathetic and uh, above all else don't be judgmental or opinionated about the matter uh, these things happen not because the child has called upon himself to have these conditions. It's because they are walking through something, which once they have figured out and once you help them walk through the journey, they will get to the end of the tunnel and they will see the light. So parents and guardians, my advice to you, don't be opinionated, don't be judgmental, be empathetic and be inquisitive. Inquire about what is happening.
1: Thank you so much, John. I don't want to add anything else. So thank you all for listening. This episode has been so enlightening. Please leave your feedback on Instagram on facebook or even on anchor leave a recording if that's what you want share this with all your friends and loved ones this is very critical information and see you on the next episode bye